Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name's Matt. I'm Matt too. It's amazing how we do that. It is. It's it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Nothing short of miraculous. We are starting a series today about Chapter 180. Chapter 180, Performance Evaluation and Professional Growth Systems, which is fancy for teacher evaluation and principal evaluation. So this is going to be uh, about a three-part series or so. Today we're going to go over the basics of what Chapter 180 is. We're going to continue with uh, another pod on SLOs. Yeah, student learning objectives. It's it's kind of a major part of the PEPG plan that has to be done. Student growth is a big part of it, and but it, it kind of needs its own particular podcast because there's some things to, to tweak out. And our third and it, part is going to be about peer supports and mentoring and certification. Yeah, that one was a new thing that got brought into the fold, into the Chapter 180 this past summer. That will be a good one to talk about. It will be. So we're going to start today with some basics. So how about we just start laying it out? So, so, so basically, does this continue from Chapter 179? Is it like a page turner? This is not a page turner. Really? No. This this is not good good reading. I'll okay. tell you that much right now. It is, that's why you have us. That is what that's I was why we're say. here. We're going to summarize this awesome chapter because for we you. we are the dancing monkeys for you folks. <laughs> that we're we're the ones who are going to be making this entertaining. Question, Question mark. mark? <laughs> All right. All right. Let's um, get into it. And we're not going to go through the. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. We're not going to read the purpose of the rule and the definitions. But let's go through the important parts. Okay. So. Um, I skipped right to section five, which is the professional practice standards for teachers. Okay. That's important because it gives districts a menu, a choice of where to go. So traditionally, historically, a lot of teacher evaluation systems were just kind of done on the fly, mm-hmm. right? Local districts would create them. Local districts would make up their own rules. Sure. And over time, there have been things that have become normed or things that have become uh, standards for professional practice. And they... And districts and places have said, well, you know, doctors are aligned to standards for professional practice. Lawyers are. Our teachers are professionals, too. Sure. So let's treat them like professionals and be professional. And so how many times can I say professional? Um, well, there is one more. Th- thanks for counting. Those of you keeping track. Uh, but so it gives a menu uh, of okay. options for districts to go. And I and, and I think this was one of the best things that they could have done is they, they, they gave districts the the choice to say what's best for your community what are the standards that you want to do and what you want to use and then choose and go from there right so it wasn't just one option for all of the state teachers you had your choices depending on what was uh, most aligned to your communities right okay so uh do you want to talk about what those five are sure we have the national board for professional teaching standards uh the framework for teaching by charlotte danielson also known as the danielson model that's just frequently known the Marzano Art and Science of Teaching Framework Model, the Kim Marshall Evaluation Rubrics, and there's also one called the MS8049 Teacher Evaluation Rubric, which is based on Kim Marshall Teacher Evaluation Rubrics. So, yeah, five different options that districts can choose from. And later on in the um, in, in the rules, it, it states that it can't just be up to one person, like a superintendent, to decide how to do this. Mm-hmm. We should probably start. We should start this by saying that every decision involved in the teacher evaluation committee our teacher evaluation system is done by a committee mm-hmm. and the committee has to be built by or designed and, and loaded up with teachers and representatives of the local uh, local education association mm-hmm. and administrators and hopefully community members parents sure. school board members but it, but it has to be really loaded with teachers 
Totally makes sense. I think so. Totally I, you you want, want to have their voice in there. Um, there is also professional practice standards for principals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, kind of similar national board core, what are called national board core propositions for accomplished educational leaders. Uh, the principal pro- professional practice evaluation of Audel created by the Supervision and Evaluation Committee of the Maine Principals Association. Mm-hmm. I could have just said MPA version. Sure. That probably would have been quicker. Um, Marzano Leader Evaluation Model and Kim Marshall. There okay. is no Danielson model for principles. for principles. Right. Okay. Okay. So what do we get for some other basics to go along so with this? So from here, it starts to, okay, you can pick a model to base your professional practice standards on. Okay. So any model like the Marzano model, for example, which I believe is done in over 40, 45% of the districts in Maine last time I knew. Okay. Um, and that by plurality, that's the most, okay. most done. Um, so in the Marzano model, you would use something like iObservation, which is an online observation platform, mm-hmm. and you would use their framework for mm-hmm. creating your professional practice standards. However, the teacher evaluation model is not just based on those standards of professional practice. Okay. There are other things involved there, like section seven of the law that says student learning and growth measures. Now we are going to go and do a whole thing on SLOs, which is part of this. We're going to go into a little bit depth in, a, in, a, in another podcast, but it's important to know, I, I do want to mention a couple of things here that are important. And the first is the significant factor portion. Okay. Um, quote, student learning and growth measures must be a significant factor in the determination of the summative effectiveness rating of an educator and to be considered significant Student learning and growth measures must have a discernible impact on an educator's summative effectiveness rating. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Let's break that down. So every evaluation model has to have a summative effectiveness rating, meaning over the course of the year, you do all this, you get, you get observed, you provide evidence of what it is you need to do or what it is, how it is you're doing, and you get evaluated and you get an evaluative rating. In the law, it does dictate, dictate a one to four rating Mm -hmm. we have to have that and with a one being quote ineffective Mm -hmm. you can change the labels to whatever you want it to be sure but a one has to be by statute labels ineffective now part of the overall evaluation process has to include student growth so how are you as a teacher um measuring and demonstrating that your students are growing in your classroom and in order for it to count, it has to be a, quote, significant factor. Okay. This caused a lot of both confusion and fear when this when this law came through because, well, what constitutes a significant factor? Mm-hmm. Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Mm-hmm. Is it 20%? Um, and that's up to the local districts to decide. I know DOE has generally hovered around 15 to 20%. Mm-hmm. Um for their what is defined as a significant factor um, for student growth. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, I'm looking at this one called uh, permissible measures. Yes. Do we want to get into that when we talk about SLOs? Because there's a lot there. Uh, no, I, I think this is this is important to do. Also, now we can we can come back to it for SLOs sure. too. But okay. but permissible measures is is important. It's important in this context because. Um, it does stipulate in here what it must do, but also, uh, so a, a permissible measure is, uh, must measure a change in a student's knowledge or skills between two points of time during which an educator has influence. Okay. All right. So that makes some sense. 
So you're measuring, you, you, sure. you start off one point, you start another. And it goes into detail um, about a pre-assessment and a post-assessment mm -hmm. model. Um, but there is something else that is in the law here. It says that multiple measures of student learning and growth must be factored into the summative effectiveness rating of an educator. So we're going to stop there. We're going to come back to this line. Okay. This is on a second. Because if you were to skip ahead to where it says the use of the state assessment, MEA results, mm -hmm. the MEA results, or what's known as now the Empower and the SAT for what we use, mm -hmm. must be used as one measure of student learning and growth for teachers and the corresponding grades and subjects. Okay. So permissible measures, right? We have to use the MEA as a standard, uh, that's standardized assessment. We have to use it somehow in our student growth measurement. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to use multiple measures as well. You can't just use that unless, mm -hmm. like it says in the law, at a teacher's discretion, large-scale standardized tests may be the sole type of student learning and growth measures. So a teacher could say, I only want the Empower. I only want my NWA or Ames Web. I only want that to count as my student growth measure. Okay. I don't know who would do that. I'm not sure who would do that either. Because that just seems, that seems folly. That seems like you're setting yourself up. I would, I would think so. So here's my question for you right, yep. right now is, do the individual teachers get to make those decisions on what measure they want to use? Or is that going to be embedded in the system that the district chooses? I think that's, it, it, it is a, it is a, it's embedded into the system the district chooses. Yeah. Because the district could say, nope. We have a system of common assessments, mm -hmm. and you have to use the common assessments in order to do this, okay. in order to meet this particular need. That's going to be that, that local measure, that secondary measure of growth. Mm -hmm. Other districts might say, go forth, teachers, and show us what you can do okay. and bring in the evidence. And so that's where it gets a little bit, little bit wonky and a mm -hmm. little bit uh, individualized for the districts. But it's important to know here that the basics is that uh, for student growth overall, the, the, the MEA has to be included, but it can't be the only thing right? unless the teacher says so. So what it means is that there's a lot of weight placed on the local assessment, mm -hmm. the local classroom, the local school, whatever their system is. And I think, and, and looking at it and how we've done it in, in, in my district, at least, that seems to be very beneficial that our, that our teachers are able to demonstrate real student learning based on the, on the measures that they're using in the classroom and not based on a standardized measure that might have some sure. other other factors that go into it like like the sat well we shouldn't be using the sat anyway because it's not a growth model right but which is another problem with the mea actually because it only count you could only count the mea for grades three through eight yeah so it kind of eliminates a lot of teachers for student growth right it, only, there. it only counts for grades three through eight not mm -hmm. k2 not nine to twelve you can only count it there so that opens up opportunities, though, for K2 and 9 to 12 about what they can use. Right. Short order, bottom line, you got to use multiple measures. And ideally, you can use local. The way we've done it in our, in our district is we've said basically it's, you have to use at least two multiple measures because that's what the law says. It doesn't say three or nine. It says two, multiple. If you choose both local, that's fine. If you choose like a standardized, like an NWEA, great. The other one you have to use is local. Okay. You don't have to use the NWEA. Right. You could just use local, and then we factor in the uh, MEA stuff separately. Okay. Fun stuff, isn't it? It is just... 
fascinating. <laughs> if 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 you are driving, I'm sorry. I hope you haven't just veered off the, Wake yourself the highway yet. <laughs> you should have warned people. Uh, this this could be a bit. Why well, did we did warn people a bit? A little bit. A um, little bit. But but this is really important too because it, it when it comes to the the law, like a lot of people will say, well well, how do we get to how do we know if we're measuring student growth well enough? And that's where you need to make sure you're doing multiple times. Right. Right. It's not just one particular piece of evidence. You're looking for multiple pieces of evidence. Right. On the multiple measures. So that I think that's I think that's solid for most teachers uh, that they want to have uh, different measures over different periods of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's fair because you never know about that. That, you know, that we talk about learners all the time that have like test anxiety or that they're, they're not good test takers or one test does not define me. And all of those things are absolutely true. So multiple measures is always a good thing. It, it just, it, yeah, it, it covers everyone and it, and it really gets to the heart of what the students are actually learning. Sure. So I think that's a, a, a really beneficial thing. Um, the other only other part of the, the, the basics here, mm-hmm. um, where it can, before we get into the things like SLOs and peer support mentoring, um, well, there's two things I want to really want to talk about. One is teacher of record. Okay. Um, because this is also one of those areas that's not, I don't know if it's really confusing or not, but it needs to be make sure it's very clear on the outset that if you, if a student comes in, in the middle of like your, your measure, your measurement period, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't count that student. Right. If a student, if you, if, if you, you can do SLOs over the summer or growth over the summer, you can do a different time, but it's, it says the student is enrolled in the course or other learning experience experience taught by the teacher and the student was present and subject to instruction at least 80 percent of the scheduled instructional time Mm -hmm. so if we're going to be measuring student growth as it's based for teacher evaluation and for what could be real employment options for employment decisions that get made Mm -hmm. you kind of want to make sure that you have a good good solid chunk of a kid who's there 80 percent of your time I think that's what you would want as a teacher, obviously, right? Yes, I would think so. Yeah, I, it's it's again that it's that it's that 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 cover that's that that saving grace, so to speak, of helping a teacher out, making sure that the system is not rigged against them. Right. It, it makes it more more fair. Makes it more fair, and I think that's totally appropriate for teachers. Yes. Okay. What else we got for basics? Well, the the last one or two things. Well, let's see. Where do I want to go with this? I think the last thing we should be talking about is um, the use of the ratings. Um, okay. Which is which is basically the one. Mm-hmm. If a teacher gets a one on something or if they're labeled as ineffective. Okay. Part of the intention of these rules was to help the the, the staff make sure that our teachers are doing, doing what they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it was hard for some teachers to just do the same thing over and over again, be wildly ineffective for many years, but still maintain in their position. Sure. So part of this rule was to give support to the administrative side to say, well, if you measure a teacher as ineffective over a course of a couple of years, you can start talking about employment options. Mm-hmm. And so... What has to happen is a, a teacher has to be labeled ineffective or the one labeled ineffective is kind of a harsh way of saying it. Right. But, but it's, but it's accurate. You know, it's, it, it's, it, it, it stinks, but, um, 
but labor right, because what, it's not just about the the student growth part that we just talked about it's no. also observations from administrators and looking for evidence of good teaching yeah it all depends on how the system is structured yeah yeah there's, the there's a lot to it and that that's one of the things that's really interesting about how how the state of Maine did this is that they created a framework and then said to the districts, go forth and conquer. Mm-hmm. Figure this out and create what's best for your own particular district. And it's really, in a way, a personalized learning model mm-hmm. for, te- for educator evaluation. Right. Because they're, they're allowing the customization, they're allowing the personalization at the level, but there's still these levels of expectations and standards of practice that are, that are there. Okay. Um, but so it says there, an educator who receives a summative effectiveness rating higher than a f- ineffective must develop a professional growth plan based on clearly articulated goals related to the targeted areas of practice and student performance. But an educator who does receive a summative effectiveness rating of ineffective must be provided with the opportunity to develop and implement a a professional improvement plan. Mm -hmm. So year one, you're doing your evaluation, you get a rating of ineffective, a one, however your district labels that. By Mm -hmm. law, it's an ineffective. That then automatically triggers this thing called the professional improvement plan or an action plan or whatever the language your district decides to use. Okay. And then it goes through the steps of you have to meet that action plan, implementation plan, mm-hmm. improvement plan over the course of that year. If you don't improve or you maintain it a one for the net, for that second year, that's when they can start having those conversations sure. about you've been, been in the district for 30 years, but you get two ineffectives in two year, two consecutive years Sure. It can be you're having conversations about, about employment. So this is where it gets real. And this is where a lot of the the the, the discussion about this, this bill in particular came into play. There was, mm-hmm. um, well, how are we labeling ineffective? What does that all mean to be ineffective? And right. what happens as a result? How are we making sure that we are protecting our staff and that we are more growth model focused? Which is why um, I think a lot of the intent, a lot of, some of the other models that get used um, and, the, and if a teacher evaluation system is done really well, it's actually growth focused. It's well, developmental in nature. Well, let's talk about those four steps real quick then. Okay. Because those Go ahead. four steps about the professional improvement plan. First one, it must be in writing, which obviously makes sense. Uh, the next thing I really like is that, that it needs to be developed with input from the educator. So the teacher's involved with this. This isn't just an administrator saying, this is your new plan. Uh, it's involved, so it's collaborative. Uh, the next part, C, is set forth clear, measurable objectives and deadlines, which I think is totally fair. Uh, and again, that's developed with the educator. And the last part is be focused on improvement in the specific areas of evaluation identified as needing improvement. So it's totally about a growth mindset, about these are the things that we've seen, let's as administrators, we've seen as deficient. And here are some steps in order to make you better in those things. And here's the plan. Here's the support. Let's go do it. And if you're still ineffective after that, that's when that kicks in. And I think that's appropriate at that point. Especially I, I since, since the teacher has been part of this plan. I pa- think that I think that's totally fair with the with the intention of support rather than punishment. And I think that that, that was the intention behind the law mm-hmm. and by this these rules in, in general. And I I hope that a lot of districts went down that road um, of of having that growth mindset that developmental focus of the evaluation system because that's really what sure. it's in, that's really what it's intended to be and if we if we were to stretch that same model out to thinking about how we evaluate and monitor our students we would want to be growth focused there developmentally focused there if we are using the grades 
as punishment, for example, or as a way of, in a punitive fashion, well, we're setting up a culture of compliance and setting up a culture of right. of ineffectiveness, whereas we really want to have that culture of learning. And so I think this was an opportunity to to, to make develop uh, teacher evaluation plans, um, systems, growth-focused, developmental in nature, and really model that level of true growth and learning at, at the at the teacher level down to the student level and it goes up to the principal level as well it, that's that's that mm-hmm. I, ideally it's that it's a seamless transition so that, that 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 idea those goals are all together so that's a good overview of the basics of chapter 180 next week we're going to dig in a little bit to slos student learning objectives Make sure all part of the student growth format, and it should be fun. Make make sure you're not Question driving mark? during that one. I would think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sit may, down, may, pull over, or get a drink, or you can listen and have our dulcet tones go into your ears while the while the sweet uh, realm join the sweet realm of Morpheus and go to sleep. And with that one, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.